0: Howdy everybody, I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Anti-Wave, a podcast all about writing off the Hollywood trends. I like that. See what I did there? Yeah, you
1: do that every week. I do. He manages a tie-in, a thematic tie-in, and I appreciate that. Why is that a tie-in, Ira? It is a tie-in because you mentioned thematic. Because What's the, the thing, this Because week? we're in a bookstore. We are. And the movie is called The Last Bookshop and the novel, so there's a tie-in with where we are. You're so and good. The movie. So I appreciate, I'm probably the only one who appreciates your tie-ins. No, I don't
0: think you're the only one, Ira. Uh, I don't know. I, you might be one of two. <laughs> uh, regardless, we, uh, we, we are here. We're in The Last Bookstore in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. And right to my left, we do have Katie Orphan, the manager of The Last Bookstore. I'm saying yeah. that right, right? Yes, Katie Orphan. there Hi, you Katie. are. Hi, Hello. And uh, we thought we'd bring you on to talk about the bookshop because, A, you've read that book, right? Yes, yes, Yes. I have. And, B, because you're the manager of a bookshop. So a lot of the uh, trials and tribulations, I'm sure, of the the film have to be reflected in your own life, right?
2: Uh, Yes, to some extent. Uh, I think there are a lot of things that Florence Green is up against that we were not necessarily up against. And, I mean, there's, there's minutia in the book about, like, how she orders books, whether her books are returnable, how much she gets to choose her inventory. And I'm, I read that and I was like, that sounds horrific. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we get to pick our inventory and if it doesn't sell, we can return it. Not so for her.
0: Well, I want to hear all about <laughs> how books are ordered and all of that uh, and the whole process of how a bookshop runs. But first, I also want to announce that our top five this week is what, Ira?
1: Ah, Our top five, and you like doing that because you don't think I'm going to be ready for it. And you're not ready for because it. Because the top five this week happens to be um, Movies that have mom and pop bookstores or shops. About, or, no, we just said mom, mom and pop and shops. shops. Yeah, mom just and pop any shops, yeah. not necessarily bookshops. Book right, right, right. Top right.
0: five mom and pop shops. Right. That, hey, that, you could rap, Ira.
1: Yeah, you Yo, got a, yeah. a long
0: career in hip hop yep. ahead of you. Can
1: you see me doing that? No, I
0: cannot. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hey, uh, first and foremost, I want to get to know you a little bit, Katie. So how did you get involved in The Last Bookstore? And, and tell us, like, how did all this begin? How did The Last Bookstore begin? I mean, it's such a beautiful space. If, if someone hasn't been here before, it, it's absolutely astounding. You've got uh, artwork made out of old books all over the walls, and, and you've really kind of infiltrated the space quite nicely. But, but tell us a little bit about yourself and the bookstore.
2: Sure. Okay. Well, uh the last bookstore started uh in its earliest incarnation. We sold books online out of the store owner's apartment before we ever had Ah. a brick and mortar. Uh and I came to work for him in that era, but he was looking for somebody with bookstore experience, which I had. Around
0: what time was that? What year? This was in two thousand nine. Okay.
2: Uh I I had worked at Borders, I had worked at the public library when I was a teenager. And so I was looking for a job after getting another English degree, which is very useful, uh, (laughs) especially during the recession. Um, And he was looking for somebody with bookstore experience. He hired me and started working on opening a brick and mortar, which we did in December of 2009. Uh, I was the original employee of the bookstore.
0: And was that here, the downtown location? It was.
2: It was downtown, but not in this location. Okay. We were at the corner of Fourth and Main, so where Baco Mercat is now. That's
0: that's where we record from. Really, you record yeah. from the San Helmet? Fernando Building? Oh, you're in the San Fernando. Yeah. Okay.
2: Huh. Yeah. Um, wow, that's weird. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where we were originally. Um, and then in 2011, we moved to our current location. Wow. Uh, and and we only had an 18-month lease in that location, and the building ownership knew they wanted to rent it to Joseph um, to put a restaurant there. So that was the beginning of his sort of uh, downtown restaurant empire. Uh, so we knew we were looking for another place, and we wanted to expand, and we took a huge leap we went from a thousand square feet to ten thousand. Oh my gosh um and then a year later we added another six thousand square feet with the mezzanine and then two years ago uh we took over part of an art gallery that used to be next door so we just keep growing wow uh and we've been really fortunate that uh not only downtown but um i think all of la and beyond have really embraced us and have you been a manager the from the beginning yes
0: yeah and yeah. Uh, do you feel like, um, and it's maybe presumptuous for me to just assume this, but I feel like part of it is not just the books, but also a lot of the artwork that's involved oh, in this space. Would you agree? Sure.
2: Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that's a big part of what draws people to our store um, are the pieces of art, the installations, the design of the book tunnel and things like that. Um and it's, it's a mix of artists and influences there. The book tunnel and the book cutout, those are uh, created by the store owner. And he came up with a design for it, and then it was implemented by some of my coworkers. Um, but some of the other pieces, like the big abstract art sculpture on the wall, that was done by a student at Cy Arc at the time, and oh. he was just sort of given free reign to create whatever he wanted. Um, And then, since the mezzanine opened, we've been really fortunate to collaborate a lot with the artists who have their shops and galleries on the mezzanine level. And one of them, Dave Lovejoy, works with us all the time. Anytime I need anything done, I just ask Dave, like, can you make this look nice? Can you fix this? Can you make this look better? Uh, And he does every time. And I'm
0: sure his art has to have increased in, in eyeballs because of being associated with you, right? I
2: hope so. I hope that that's been a benefit to him. And I think it has because everybody who has a shop on the mezzanine is a long-term tenant of the building above us because it's all offices and creative spaces. And so now they have gallery space that's open to the public all the time and they get so much foot traffic that comes through. Uh, So it's really a wonderful collaboration between us and them. Uh, I do, I mean, I talk about this all the time, I think we get a lot of people who come in because they want to take photos for Instagram. Yeah. Uh, And we did not create the art without intention. It was kind of right at the beginning of Instagram, and the store didn't have an Instagram, didn't know what kind of impact it would have. Uh, But we've been really lucky that there's been this um, impulse on people's parts to take their pictures in cool places, and we happen to be one of those cool places. Yeah.
1: And you know, it's not just the books and the art, but it's the vibe. It's really the vibe here. We love it here. And as you know, Katie, we did a podcast here a few weeks ago. Thank you for letting us come back. Yeah, of what course. What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's far
0: less creepy than the, um, than the downtown library where you have, um, you know, some of those stacks get a little shady as you start to venture further and further back in the, in the back catacombs there. <laughs> and you don't have that here. Everything's really well lit and everything just feels very, um, it's welcoming. And, and Yet still, kind of, it's quaint yet large. I don't know how, how you, you pull that off,
1: but yeah. right? Am I wrong on that? I love what you just said, Robert. Quaint yet large. Seriously, yeah. that's. I mean, I'm looking around the room right now. There's a quaintness to it, and it is quite large. And it is an
0: old bank. And I think uh, the, the way that you've integrated some of the old safes is really cool. Having the horror sci-fi section upstairs, and the and uh, in the, in the little uh, sa- the old safe is really. It feels nice there. It feels like that's an appropriate home for that. It's organic. Ex- exactly that's
1: the word it's organic thank
2: you thank you so much i mean it's it feels like a constantly growing and changing organism you know we rearrange things as needed to to maximize space to give room to sections that we think need more shelves um and we're always trying to make this as good of a bookstore as it can be what's the
0: next step for you guys is there any hope to growing it even further
2: uh, not at the moment. Uh, I think we've kind of Maxed taken out. over all the all the space possible in this building, and don't have any intention of expanding to another location. Uh. Uh, so we're we're happy where we are right now. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always things that I'm thinking about and concerned with in terms of like, can we fit another register in the store? Mm. How do I maximize the square footage of the store to have as many books on display as possible? Um, but I think those are all pretty minor tweaks. I don't think we have anything big in store. Watch I say that, and tomorrow I'll get an email from my <laughs> boss that says, "By the way, we're doing this huge new thing." But, at but the as far moment, as you know, as far as I know, at this moment, we're we're content or as far as, as you're
0: willing to say. <laughs> um, this part of the show, we usually then now we talk about. The movies that we've
1: seen this week that's so right. katie i was gonna sing a little yeah, song no, katie to you. you're gonna oh like boy this. now robert <laughs> teases me i have a ditty for each of our segments robert likes to tease and get impatient deep down he really likes it Are you ready it's not true Thanks. i don't i don't like this summer at all. old summer new we now present the weekend review <sighs> huh that's beautiful that's what do you think katie, that's huh? good. It's, katie it's, it's
2: sweet and to the point see she appreciates if i wrote a
1: poetry book p- would you stock it
0: here would you <laughs> be willing to put that on your shelves well, Keep in mind, it will never get sold.
2: Oh, well, when you put it that way. <laughs>
0: hmm. But it'd be a first edition, you know?
2: Oh, true. And it's a local author, yeah. so that would have a You got that appeal. going for you. We'll yeah. talk,
1: Katie. We'll talk. Oh, okay. yeah. Ira, what movies did you see ah, this week? I'm going to go first. Yeah. I actually saw three films I'd like to mention. Now, Katie, I need to warn you. Some of my movies are a little bit provocative, streaming on on uh, amazon prime he's talking so about
0: softcore porn well games. robert that's likes what he's talking about. about
1: but i did see one movie called sex drive oh my Now gosh. it's a very clever title because it's about driving this podcast across. used to have
0: merit it used to be about art me, films it used is to is be about films we can review that are not go?
1: the traditional hollywood films and i suppose this is the case sex drive 2008 sex they're drive. on a cross country to see where he made up with a, a lady and um have sex there's a reason why i don't talk got about to your 40, sex drive 42 percent on rotten tomatoes but i did see that i actually saw for the first time you wait a guys. minute that movie got
0: rated on rotten tomatoes
1: yeah oh, wow was, this is a legitimate a movie oh was release? that no this, I remember this is it. not this that was not smut no okay. smut i don't know what if you speak I think I actually saw Sex Drive. I I think you did too. All right, I want you for the first time. I saw Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I never saw it. You never saw it. I never saw it. Two thousand eight and rom com, of course, with uh, Jason and Judd and um, and uh, Milo Kunis. Yeah, Yeah,
0: Milo Kunis. This is where the
1: movie. This is our coming out film. And it had its moments. It 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 was what it was. But the main one I want to mention of the three films is I finally saw The Beatles Eight Days a Week: The Touring Years. This is a Ron Howard film. Yeah, and with all this wonderful footage, archival footage how could it not be a good movie, it was fascinating I did find it mesmerizing, compelling and it was the early years from 1962 to 1966 and uh, I found it to be um, I was um, fascinated by it Yeah. Nice. Are nice you a Beatles fan in general? Yes, Yeah. I am. You know, I saw the Beatles perform at Dodger Stadium in like 1963, 64 and then I saw Paul McCartney at Dodger Stadium about three or four years ago but I saw the Beatles perform, how wow. about that?
0: Did you ever see the stones?
1: Wow. No. Oh. Peter Paul and Mary, Mamas <laughs> and Papas. Same thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, just like it. Yeah. Same Those thing. are my three films. <gasps> all right.
0: Hey Katie, did you see any movies this week?
2: Besides uh besides the bookshop? I did. What'd you see this week? Mine mine are all like big oh, releases of.
0: L- the of only mystery? movie I saw this week was Ready Player 1. So okay. if that gives you any okay, cool. any help. Don't worry well, about
2: it. Uh infinity war is out now yeah. on blu-ray and dvd so i got my blu-ray of you it and I, I watched it this week um and i saw crazy rich asians and to all the boys i loved before oh
0: huh? how were they
2: uh i enjoyed them a lot um for Which a was the best of out of out of those oh i don't know i mean you
0: bought the dvd for infinity war so
2: that's true that's true, I did, because I am a big MCU fan. Earlier today I was wearing a Captain America t-shirt and thought I should probably change before talking about movies that go against the current <laughs> trends in <laughs> Hollywood. But you know what,
0: here's the thing. This podcast focuses on films that that, that buck that Hollywood trend, but we're not anti-Hollywood. I mean, it, I, yeah. it's it, that's where we are. That's I mean, it, it's all around us, but I, th- this podcast centers on those films that take a different avenue. But we don't have to hate on Hollywood. It doesn't have to be polarized. So, I mean, if you're all about Infinity War, good on you. Yeah. We're well, not film snobs here. You oh, know? good. Movies good. are great. Um,
2: but yeah, I really I really loved both Crazy Rich Asians and To All the Boys I Loved Before. Um, like the protagonist of To All the Boys I Loved Before, I'm mixed-raced Asian and European. Mm. My, my dad is Japanese. Um, so... I really appreciated in both of those movies getting to watch romantic comedies with Asian American leads. Um, It was very exciting for me in terms of representation and especially with to all the boys like having specifically the lead actress was is herself not mixed but the two girls that played her sisters are and her character is. Um, but and to ba- like have that representation was really exciting. For they're me. both
0: based on books, right?
2: Yeah, they're both based on books. Um, had you
0: read the books before?
2: No, uh, I own both of the books, oh, really? and I like pulled them out after watching them. and was like, I have to read these now, but I, I haven't had a chance to read them yet this week. Uh, but yeah, I really, really enjoyed both of them. It was fun seeing good romantic comedies to all the boys I loved before. I mean, it's a high school rom com, yeah. Um, but it had some, it had some sweet nods to John Hughes, um, and had just a really nice feel to it. Um, and Crazy Rich Asians was sort of wonderful and opulent and exciting. Uh, was, yeah, Constance Wu did a great job. Michelle Yeoh is incredible and in everything.
0: Speaking of books not read, Ira. I knew you were going to bring this I'm up. I'm going to put you on the I spot. I knew you were going to bring this up. For your I birthday knew- last week, I gave you a
1: really nice book. Right, right. And this was last Do week. Do you remember what it was called? I have it right. It's right at the top of my nightstand. It's called Hits and Misses by Simon That's Rich. Correct. That's it's correct. It's a bunch oh. of short stories. Yes.
0: And have you read it yet? I don't know. If no, it just came I out. I like Simon Rich, It's though. fantastic. Ira, I can't wait for you to Robert read
1: it. Robert is convinced yeah. that I'm not going to get around to reading the book. I will. In fact... Next week's podcast, okay. I'll be able to tell you about story number one. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: should be able to tell me that by the end of the night. They're short stories, man. You'll love them. It's good. Looking forward to it. All right. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, I watched Ready Player One. And I, not much to report there. I don't. Uh, I, we just wanted. We've been watching a lot of Shameless and getting caught up with, uh, with Shameless because the new season is coming out. And, uh, and we just wanted some mindless drivel to kind of take a break out of Shameless. And we watched Ready Player One. And the it, film. It I know there's a the lot
1: of uh, pop culture references. Yeah, there's of a all lot, people, Robert, of them because you're very astute. Well, I think you can culture. ask producer
0: Joey. When and we sure. were watching it, it, was a lot. Of, oh, there's that. There's yeah, that. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I got yeah. it. And so you it was probably
1: got like 98 percent of all well, the I don't references. know. I, I can
0: never tell yep. you to 98, but I did notice that the Mad Max uh, car was in one of the driving sequences, uh, and I thought I saw. I saw it, and, and I, I had to look online to find the image of where it was. But we didn't go back and, and freeze frame it. So. Yeah, that was there. Nice. Yeah. They did a little
1: shout-out to Mad Max. Yeah. That's one of my favorite films. So, Yeah. Uh, Katie, he's obsessed with it. Yeah, there you okay. go. Yeah, huge posters in his loft. Nice. Yeah.
2: Hey, we want to talk
1: it. about the movie? The movie. Robert, talk us through it. Okay, so uh, The Bookshop, in case anyone hasn't
0: seen The Bookshop or read the book, is about a woman in the 1950s, I'm going to mm-hmm. say, That's right. in, yes. in England, who moves into a small town. Uh, she's recently widowed, and... She has a little bit of money, and she uh, purchases a house to both live in and set up a small little bookstore. The problem is there's a very elite socialite woman in the town who has other designs for that house. She wants to turn it into an art center and basically turns the entire town against this poor woman who just wants to set up her bookshop and sell books to the locals. Uh, So is that pretty much it? I think it's a fair assessment. Nicely said. Yeah. All right. Well, what did you guys think? Let's talk about the bookshop. Well, Katie. Now, we should point out to our, our audience, we are talking about the film bookshop, which just got released on Friday. So if you've read the book, thanks for reading the book. Maybe there are some differences. And I haven't read the book, so maybe, Katie, you could kind of walk us through if there are sure. differences between the book and the film, major differences anyway. But we are critiquing the film on this podcast. So are there ma- any major differences that jump out at you?
2: Um, yes. Uh, and I don't... I don't know how much we talk about uh, spoilers spoilers, spoilers. Okay. Yeah. be yeah okay so uh, the framing device is not present in the book that exists in the film where you have uh her young assistant christine as an adult sort of reflecting d- back. reflecting back on it um and at the end uh sorry, it goes against like my very nature to spoil anything yeah cover your ears if you're,
1: but if you're anti-spoiler lot, literally last uh, 90 seconds of yeah. the film
2: yes but in the book Christine does not uh set a fire. So that is there a fire in
0: in the book at all? No, no. Wow in the book in wow. the book
2: Violet Gemmert wins and she and she just she leaves gets, town. yeah yes um Florence. Wow. Florence's business fails I mean we I mean I guess this is kind of spoilery as well Uh, but um, the elite socialite her nephew is a member of parliament and puts through a bill allowing for uh, towns to buy buildings of sort of historic import to use for community purposes and as a result of that, they're able to take back the right. old house.
0: Essentially, allowing the town to kick this to kick Florence—is that is that yeah, her name? Florence kick Florence out of her own bookstore, out of her own house, and yes. she's basically forced to leave. Yes. And that's Violet. Violet is that Violet, right? Violet. Yeah. That is the mastermind behind that. That's the yes. elite socialite woman that is able to kind of make that happen.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I I really like the book. Uh, I read it for the first time years ago. It was after I started working here, but I like, I was like, ooh, I've I'd owned that book for a while, and I was like, ooh, a book about a woman running a bookshop by herself <laughs> in this village. How could you not? How how have I waited so long to read this? And I really liked it. I just really like Penelope Fitzgerald in general. She writes these beautiful sort of slices of life that, um, you know, show the good and the bad. Of British village life, Uh, and I really enjoy that. And I, I, kind of appreciated that the book doesn't leave you with a sense of like justice. (laughs) Like in the movie, you get the sense of like, well, you know. The old house was taken away from Florence, and now it's being taken away from everyone. Yeah. In the book, you don't get that. In the book, it's she leaves town, and it's sad, and her dreams have failed, and that's it. Goodbye. The end. Well, this,
1: I wonder. Go ahead. This begs a question: Which did you prefer?
2: Ooh, I mean, the part of me that likes sort of sad endings to things really does appreciate the ending in the book. But as somebody who also really likes people getting their comeuppance. Uh, I, I appreciated I appreciated two things about the book at the end, uh, or the, the film book, the at movie. the end. Much
0: like Lolita, she's divided into two parts.
2: There you go. Uh, what I appreciated <laughs> I at the end was <laughs> that that no, you know, <laughs> that Violet Gemmert does not win by having this old house that she's stolen away from Florence yeah. by having that burned down. Uh, I really appreciated her getting that comeuppance, and I also really appreciated. That addition of the framing narrative that Christine becomes a bookseller herself, um, as an adult, that she owns a bookshop, and I liked that little button on the film to to get the sense that this girl who um, it felt very much so much for for Florence, you know, kind of has her livelihood and career as a tribute
0: to It felt like, like Shane at the end of Shane where the kid's like yelling at Shane riding off into the sunset or like uh, I mentioned before uh, the Road Warrior Mad Max where the kid is kind of watching Max go off by himself. It's that same kind of it's got this little western feel to it although it's got this modern day adaptation where we, we follow what happens to the little girl and we see what happens to her later on in life. Um, but I, I can appreciate what you're saying and it, I, I, I like that framing. I think that that's interesting and I, I'm surprised to hear that the book didn't have that. It seems weird to have been completed out of whole cloth. Do you know much yeah. about how the author felt about this film? Has has she said anything? Because I was I, not aware that the book did not end that way. That's quite I, a different ending.
2: I don't think that Penelope Fitzgerald is still alive. Oh. Uh, well, I, well. I would there, have. There you go. I'm pretty sure she isn't. Um, oh, she
0: died in 2000. Thanks for. This yeah, that I was, was fast. like, I'm.
2: I'm yeah, I, w- I thought it was the 90s, but yeah, 2000. That yeah. sounds right. All right. So yes, no no opinion on her side of things. Well,
0: did someone check her grave to see if she's rolling over in it? Because if she <laughs> is, that could be a good answer.
1: Uh, Ira, what did you think of the film? I I I'm going to surprise you with this. Um, we've been using the word the word breathe movies yeah. that breathe. A lot lately, the last number of podcasts, last few weeks, and this indeed is a movie that takes its time. Yeah. It is slow, and I, I compare it to a movie we saw a couple of months ago, uh, The Rider, R-I-D-E-R, mm-hmm. in that it sure takes its time, yet I liked it very much. And for me, that button really did work at the end. It was formulaic. I could see that it was almost like an uh, audience. It was almost, almost manipulative, but I didn't care. I bought into that, and I loved the last two minutes of that film. Um, I don't know how much... Did you see the incoming? N- n- no. I, I, I felt, was fooled
0: by I, I liked a lot of the... I felt like there was a lot of setup to it. There was a lot of little hints along the way where she gives the guy Fahrenheit 451 to you know, begin with. Yeah. Uh, she... Um, she tells the little girl, be careful with the the stove. Like, always be very careful with how you, you do the mm-hmm. stove. There was the opening scene where the, the, what's the hermit? There's a the hermit character. Oh, what, do you remember uh, his name? Mr. Brundish. Mr. Brundish. Thank you. I appreciate that. Both of you guys. Yeah. Uh, but Mr. Brundish is at the beginning burning all of his book covers and there's a lot of fire. Wow. Um, yeah. that's references, kind of references earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. then by the end, I was able to see maybe about two or three minutes before it happened. I went, she's gonna burn that that sucker down. And
2: yeah. When when she borrows the heater, I was like, oh, oh, well, something's, something's gonna happen. Yeah. And because it was different than the book, I I didn't know going into it what she was gonna do. But as soon as she borrowed that, I was like, oh, that's coming back. Yeah. That's coming back.
0: They made just a, a a few too many references to the heater, and it was like <laughs> something's up here.
1: I did find the link to Fahrenheit 451. I'm driving home after I saw the film, yeah. that's when I put the two together because there was a lot of Br- Bradbury stuff and I'm curious mm-hmm. if that was in the novel as well.
2: It's, it's It was almost not, an homage. It was yeah. almost a,
1: a salute to Ray Bradbury.
2: Yeah, I, I feel like the use of Bradbury was really effective in the movie. It's not there in the book. Um, she does send Mr. Brundish various books and gets his opinion that sort of pivotal... Moment of of her sending him Lolita and him inviting her over to give his opinion on the book that that's from the book itself but the addition of Ray Bradbury was on the part of the filmmakers that's mm-hmm. not present in the book but I thought they used it really well I mean you have that uh, sort of foreshadowing with Fahrenheit 451 but then that really beautiful element of him asking for dandelion wine her you know wrapping it up and then during his funeral sort of unwrapping it yeah. and and getting that sense of um her mourning him through the presence of that book of i book, thought that yeah. was really lovely and,
1: and let's not forget that ray bradbury has had it in he happens to be my favorite writer uh, in addition to that, a, a strong passion for bookstores and libraries. Oh, yes. He, would, he spoke at many, many libraries. He's your favorite writer now, but yes.
0: keep in mind, you have not finished the Simon Rich book.
1: <laughs> I knew he was going <laughs> to get that in. I knew he was going to get that in. And when and, you do, that might change. And by the way, my favorite book of all time is The Martian Chronicles. So I got quite emotional when I saw a close-up of that book title. They included that yeah. one as well in the film. Robert, what's your overall opinion of the film? I
0: really like the film. Yeah. Uh this could not be more of a British film. I was just thinking <laughs> about, like, I don't know how I would make this more British. It just it's so... Uh, just UK. It's got a written, the look of the film, the acting of the film, the pacing of the film, which you alluded to earlier. Um, you know, I'm jumping the gun a little bit. One of the things we do on this show is we talk about how anti-wave is this, how uh, outside of the Hollywood trends does this film go. And I think, in that sense, it definitely is not Hollywood. This is a... It's a film that is definitely made in the UK, um, just with all of the different acting styles. I'm reminded of Eddie. Izzard. He said something in one of his stand-up uh, performances where he was talking about the difference between English films and American films. And in English films, it's a lot of people like arranging matches and just you know very quiet. And someone comes into the room and it's a lot of oh uh, wait I said okay. I think I'd better go, yes, I think you better had, just a very subdued, and then the American version of it would be like a lot of lasers and like pssur, 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 yeah, you was and just kind of like a lot more angry, and I think there's a lot of truth to that, like <laughs> I would love to see the American version of this film because it would probably star Tom Hanks and be a lot more um a, a lot more upbeat, but then like this crazy, weird tragic whatever, but I really liked it a lot, um, I thought it was a breath of fresh air
1: you know I want to say that. We make a concerted effort to not read reviews prior to... I saw the film, obviously, and I thought a lot about it, and I took notes for the podcast. Then after I do that, I was curious to see the reviews. Pretty mixed. Oh, really? Pretty mixed. I mean, IMDb had a lot of scathing, a lot of scathing comments, people giving it one or two stars out of ten. People thought it was laborious. It took its time too much. It was boring as hell. I was reading a lot of that, and um, mm -mm, I didn't... I was, I was surprised, surprised to hear you say that. To see that because you you
0: that. usually don't have much. I, I don't mean that in, in a disparaging way, but you're usually like, okay, come on, let's let's get to the, the but point. But you're there.
1: right, and generally speaking, that's true, except for movies like The Writer. Yeah. And this too, I was uh, I was swept away by the whole film. It did take its time. It did breathe. It was gorgeous to look at. And let's talk about the acting. Yeah. Can we talk for a moment about um, Miss Miss Emily Mortimer? What I liked about this and. Uh, Obviously, Robert, as you well know, that a large part of acting is reacting. Yeah. And I felt like the camera lingered on her after the dialogue to see her processing what she just said. Yeah. And that was like throughout the whole film. And I love that. Uh, and Bill Nye- Bill Knightley. I mean, he's, he's just so terrific in everything. He- love Actually. Yes. You, yeah. I, that's where I fell in love with Bill and Love Actually. Um, when he was that Aging Rockstar. Remember? And watching
0: the two of them together, watching was, them take their time with There things.
1: was a scene, well, I'm jumping ahead yeah. with, with a money shot, but let me just say this now, that where they're having that, the, the cake and tea, and it's a long scene of them just chatting. And first it's kind of just superfluous and it's stuff about, he says his wife left him now, she got very fat and da-da-da. And then it got to the core of the issue and it just flowed watching these two great actors. That whole sequence was just beautiful.
0: And fulfilling their characters as well. He really portrayed a very realistic, um, a portrayal of, of, of a very realistic hermit in a way that it, he was a little socially awkward, but he wasn't so out of touch that he was this insane person. Uh, he wasn't a caricature. He was Betrayal. a realistic person. Right. And he wanted to, he knew, okay, I need to have a cake. I'm not going to bake it. Let me get a cake and let me, let me host this the way that it's supposed to be done. And I, I can appreciate that. I thought those were really nice, um, nice moments. Even the way that he dressed, you know, dressing up in his suit and trying to be, uh, be ready for her and present the best version of himself that he could. I thought that was a really nice scene, the whole, that whole moment, well, the whole exchange. Let me
1: jump on what you're saying, too, and I am giving away a little bit of my money shots, but the kiss scene between the two of them, mm. I thought that was riveting for me, wondering what, what's really going on here where he ends up kissing her hand and it was almost like Emily Mortimer's character was hoping maybe there. I think that she just had profound respect for him, knowing that he was going to go to bat for her. Mm-hmm. And he wanted, she was so, wanted to show gratitude. Like, is there going to be a hug here? Maybe a sweet kiss or something. But you could feel something between them. And I, I couldn't define it, but man, I was, I was on board in that scene. Yeah. I thought that was an incredible scene between the two of them yeah, the hand I kiss.
2: Yes, I, I agree.
0: Let's talk about money shots. So money shots are the images that you would think about with this film. Let's say you don't see this film for five years and someone asks you to think about it. What will be the images that will stay with you? What will haunt you? And Ira, you've already given a
1: couple. I have. I'll give you
0: mine. I think for me, it's going to be that the shot of her driving away on the boat and the girl standing on the dock. And she was even describing how uh, she tried not to to smile or tried to smile but couldn't smile. And just that, that little moment between the two of them as she's kind of drifting apart. I think that's what I'll be thinking about. And then seeing the fire off in the distance. It's kind of a sequence more than an individual shot, but I really, that whole moment is going to stay with me. What do you think, Katie? uh,
2: Does
0: anything jump out at you?
2: No, the the things that do, and I think one of them is, is really specific to what I do and who I am, But there's this moment when she sort of first gets the signage up on the store and is first kind of put the store together. And she goes outside and she looks at everything and is so pleased. And and the narrative voice is saying, you know, it was the happiest she'd ever been. And that moment, I'm like, I get that. That's how I feel in the morning when I come in and, like, reorganize everything, get everything looking good. Like, that was a moment that felt very real and very truthful to me. And I was like, yes, I know exactly what that is. <laughs> but the the other is that moment between them when he says that he is going to go speak on her behalf and defend her. And there's this moment of, of sort of great uh, controlled passion where they, you know, there's nothing overtly sexual, nothing that's overwhelming, but this... The strong sense of camaraderie between yes. the two of yes. them. And the connection. Yes. And connection. Yes. And that, yeah, that.
1: Controlled passion. That's so well with said. Me. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's like yeah. she knows words. She, she knows words. She yeah. knows words good. Yeah, man. Yeah, she, yeah, man. She knows
0: good words. Good words. <laughs> She's speaking good. She's smart lady. Yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the things go ahead and say your, your money shots because I want to ask Katie a question here, but it's kind of Well,
1: I actually jumped the gun on that, and again, I, I hate to repeat myself, but the the sequence with the, the cake and tea and it's not a shot. I know that it was a se- sequence, but it was just lovely, and the fame, the kiss the controlled passion. What were you going to ask, Katie?
0: I was going to ask Katie when okay, so in the film and I 'm assuming in the book, she makes a lot of waves by bringing this bookstore into this small town in a lot of ways downtown los angeles is kind of believe it or not a small town it's a small kind of community Uh, because it's not this sprawling um metropolis like manhattan would be for example Uh, and even that has small communities you know but the downtown community is is interesting i'm curious how the last bookstore has it made any sort of um, waves when it came in, were there any sort of problems like that, especially taking over some of the space like this, or has it been mainly celebratory and people kind of yeah, this is a a great boon to our businesses and things like that well, or are you at liberty to say
2: no uh i I feel like there's nothing that nothing that juicy. I couldn't say um but no i'm I have thought about that a bit. In terms of this movie, because I I reread the book, and I watched the movie, and kind of did all my homework, and I thought about that a lot, about how different it is to have a community that supports you versus a community that, um, in in a few cases with Florence, are really actively working against her, and in a lot of others, they're just sort of passively not participating. Right. Um, And that's enough to sort of sink her as well. Um, but no, I think we've had a really positive response to us. Um, I don't know how long you've been downtown. A few years. Okay, but um, when we when we first opened, there was another bookstore on Main Street, um, Metropolis Books. Uh, but even when we went in, we we were originally just used books, and Metropolis was like a block and a half down, and they were only new books. And so we weren't really feeling competitive with one another. And uh, one of the things we sort of wanted to provide was um, that concept of a third place. And I don't know how much you guys talk or think about like retail and whatnot, but that sense of um, it's a really common proposi- or common idea uh, for retailers of uh, the third place being Not work, not home, but a third place where you would go and hang out and spend time. And third places are generally bars, restaurants, stores, things like that. Um, And in 2009, downtown was very different than it is today. Um, But it was starting that swing toward what it is now. Um, And so there were restaurants and bars, but it was a lot of like little cafes and dive bars um, and so not a lot of options if you didn't want a drink um, or you weren't hungry. <laughs> and so being able to provide a third place was really important. And then for us, downtown, I, I agree, is like a small town. I describe it that way all the time to yeah. people who aren't familiar with it. Yeah, but one of the things that's really specific to downtown is the variety of demographics that are present here we have a huge homeless population of everything really yes we have we have a lot of people who live in the sro housing Mm -hmm. um we have people who have the money to pay for loss at market rate uh and that's grown and grown and grown in the time that I've worked downtown. And then you have people who work down here. We have a lot of regular customers who work in the office buildings, who work in the courthouses, who work at City Hall or at the LA Times before they moved. And so it's been important to us from day one to be able to serve every segment of that population. Which I think has put us in a really good place because it doesn't... I mean, our goal has never been to gentrify. Our goal has been to provide books at Price points that are achievable for people who live in SRO housing or who are in the missions. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's been a big thing of mine this entire time that we have really affordable kids books. Because for any family who can't afford a full-priced $18 kids book, I still want their kid to go home with a book. Right. And so I think we've walked a fine line, and I hope we're still doing it well. Of of catering to both the long-term downtown residents who might not have a lot of money uh, and the new residents to downtown who do. um, And it's a lot of needs to serve all at the same time. And it's something I'm, I try and keep in balance all the time, but all of that to say, um, I think because we want to serve every part of our community, we don't want to exclude anyone in that process. It's meant that downtown has been really good to us and really friendly to us. Uh, and we've had a lot of support and encouragement over the years. Well,
0: I'd also just like to point out that you guys, uh, you also made it kind of an art center, an arts and performing center by having this stage that we're on and having people come in. So, you know, maybe that's what, uh, maybe that's what Florence should have done in the book is just that, hey, I'll set a stage up in the middle of the, middle I of the place. I right? well, you know. Right? In other words, Violet
1: would be happy with
2: yes. this. Yes. Well, yeah. you don't get it as clearly in the film as you do in the book, but... When Violet is talking about what she envisioned with the art center, Florence's first reaction is, oh, she wants to do that in the bookshop. We can have lectures. We can have chamber music. Right. And you do see in the film when she goes to talk to Milo and says, like, I realized later that when Violet said she had somebody to run the art center, she meant you because Florence's orig- initial reaction had been, that Violet wanted the bookshop to have these arts and for Florence to be responsible for organizing and curating it. And then she realizes, no, Violet's vision does not include collaboration with Florence. It, it involves removing Florence mm-hmm. and her shop and having what she wants.
0: Well, that I think that's interesting. I do want to talk about how anti this film is.
1: I know. So... Uh- this is Go going to be an interesting discussion. This is re- I, yeah. So,
0: all right, Katie, we have a scale, and on this scale, we we rank every film. Now, this is not how good the film is. What we're trying to figure out is how much does this buck the usual Hollywood trends. So, on my scale today, I might put at one. I might. Well, I'll say I might, my ten might be "You've Got Mail," right, and my one might be like "Naked Lunch." So. Those are the... That's the scale, right? So yeah. how much...
1: So five I'm is sorry, a medium.
0: I think I got it backwards. I did it backwards. One would be You've Got Mail. Right, ten right, would be Naked right, Lunch. Right. I did it totally backwards. Okay, so a ten would be a totally uh, avant-garde, out-there, kind of uh, not Hollywood at all. One would be totally a Hollywood film. Ira, what do you think? I'm going to make you go first.
1: Oh, uh, I'm going to go first. Now, I want to say that at first... I was... I was Grab, Grappling. 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 Not groveling. Grappling. Grappling with this after I saw the movie, because I knew this was going to come back, come up in our discussion. Uh, our our hero, uh, our protagonist, there's a clear protagonist and a clear villain. However, she lost. She did not get what she wanted. Now, I know we can make the argument, well, according to the epilogue, didn't she really win? And I hope you don't make that argument, but I have a feeling, Robert, you may make that argument. But if that's true, she didn't know that until years and years later, that there's going to be another bookstore. And she, uh, her passion was passed down to her, co- to her, to her helper, her assistant. Um, but she did not win the battle, which is very anti-wave. So with that in mind... No one got what they wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Everyone was pissed. The villain didn't get... So now, actually, that's increasing my number, actually. So I'm going to go with, like, a 6.2. Okay. All right. What would you say?
2: Ooh. Well, I I feel like I've been vacillating between a 6 and a 7 because it it is very quiet in a lot of ways.
0: Not very, a lot of lasers or robots no, or... Uh, no
2: lasers whatsoever, yeah. weirdly enough. Um...
0: Although I did think the, uh, the Iron Man cameo was a little misplaced. <laughs> I was like, what, what's this doing here? Uh,
2: and I, I kind of, I like too that there wasn't really a romance to it. Yeah.
0: Um, nice point. The, yeah.
2: the women in it um, are very sort of headstrong. They know what they want, what they want for both of the female leads. Uh, what they want is not compatible but they both are women with a very strong sense of what they'd like to do and how they'd like to do it um, which I really enjoyed and I find that a lot of times uh, women don't get to have that clear of a vision for who they want to be and what they want to do in Hollywood films Uh, they uh, so so with all of that I'm that leans me toward a 7, but then you also are like, well, but it also stars people who are like pretty well known and does that make it more commercial and hollywoody? I don't know. I'm I'll split the difference. I'll put it at a
0: 6.5. Wow. Right, I think I would go with 6. So, I think you're between the three of thing. us, we're, we're right around this. Ira, oh, you're actually in the middle. That's what I was yeah. wowing about wow. is
1: you actually got the the yeah, average. I did. But I love yeah. what you said, Robert no one in this film gets what they want right that's really interesting no one got what they wanted and, and the, this quaint town got a big fire on their hands yeah, yeah. everyone lost
0: yeah. yeah everyone yeah even the townspeople I mean they they didn't get their cultural center or yeah. their book yeah book yeah, yeah. I, I do kind of like the book ending a little bit better now that you've mentioned it I'm, I, it makes me wish that they had done that because that takes balls to do to, to, to end your story that way
2: yeah
0: it's interesting not that this was a cop out either, mm-hmm. but it somehow it didn't have quite the same teeth as, as what you described. Mm. Hmm.
1: You know, I wish that there was one scene. <laughs> no, a scene where, because she lives. Where she there. takes her top no, off. No, 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 but I am going to say where she wakes up in the morning in her bedroom, because uh-huh. we only see her on her bed. Reading, We do see that scene. I want to see what her bedroom looks like. I would have loved to have seen an additional scene where she gets up in the morning, maybe the first morning of spending the night there the first time, and she goes downstairs, assuming her bedroom, and she looks at the, all the books with the morning sun coming in. Mm. I'm, I'm serious. I wanted to see a connection between her living space and the actual bookstore. That's I could there. have used that scene the first morning where she comes down, makes some tea, and smiles at where she is. I would like that.
0: I think they had it, but I think what you're describing is a m- more picturesque uh, image, and I think maybe the connection would have been solidified yeah. a little bit more. I think yeah. they had little moments of that where she's, I think it was kind of lost in a montage, and I think what right. you're describing is right. something that's maybe a little bit more epic, and and probably would cement the relationship in our mind. Yeah. But I, I right. do think that they had that within the film.
1: It was shown, but in maybe bits not and as highlighted. Monta-
0: right, right. 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 Right.
1: Cool. All right. Oh, no. Well. <coughs> nice. Hey, there's that. Hm. Hey, you want to talk about who died this week? Ah, you're saying it's time for the dead corner? It is. Okay, now listen to this. You're oh, sorry. You're gonna like this one.
0: Yeah. You, <laughs> guess what? <laughs> I can't wait. Katie, Katie, Katie you're expression. not gonna like yeah. this.
1: Gotta tell you, unfortunately, we must. The following people turn to dust. Okay, the following people in the industry, the film industry. <laughs> Don't want to sell that, that book here. <laughs> <laughs> We lost the following people. Uh, Craig Zadin, Z-A-D-A-N, 69-year-old American film producer. He did Chicago. He did Footloose. He did Hairspray, the first one, you guys, the, the Walters, mm-hmm. Walters movie. And he also um, produced the Oscars a number of times. He passed away. Robin Leach has Robin nothing, Leach. No, nothing to do with film, but I wanted to include him anyway because he was quite an icon, British writer, television host, obviously. Lifestyles is rich and famous. Um, I want to go down to two. I'm going to mention two people who passed away. This is our Dead Corner Spotlight. Robert, I've mentioned to you a film numerous times, and I know you haven't seen it yet, called A Thousand Clowns. Mm-hmm. And I love that film, and it starred an American actress who passed away this week, 83-year-old Barbara Harris. She's a Tony winner and she was uh, she appeared in movies Thousand Clowns, Plaza Suite, Nash- Nashville, and Peggy Sue got married in Gross Point Blank. I just loved her as an, a- uh, as an actress. She won a Tony, was nominated for an Academy Award. She got four Golden Globe nominations. I do want to mention, we lost Neil Simon. People tend to associate him, I think, more with, with Tonys and with Broadway and plays, but he wrote so many screenplays, you guys. And there's this one statistic I want to share. Uh, more than 30 plays, the same number, um, he received more combine Oscars and Tonys than any other writer. He's oh, wow. responsible for the screenplays Barefoot in the Park, The Odd Couple, Sweet Charity, The Out-of-Towners, The Goodbye Girl and so on. He passed away. Did you ever read Fools?
0: That was a play of his in the 80s. It was a really good play. Really? Yeah, it's funny. It's a good one. Well, he got It's one that st- never gets... Uh, it's I never new. heard of it. Yeah. It's about a guy... It's about a Russian town that's cursed with this, uh, this curse where everyone is stupid and is this guy that comes into town to try to teach them and they're all stupid. And he's trying to teach them and break this curse, but in the process, he starts to become stupid too. And he's trying to break the curse before he becomes stupid.
1: I think it's a metaphor. <laughs> I think probably. I think yeah, it's a metaphor. Yeah. So, <laughs> see how literary I am, <laughs> See, Katie. I want you to appreciate my my letter. I, I want to say, Katie, you don't, don't you, encourage him. You know, he got to start with uh, Sid Caesar and Mel Brooks and your show of shows. Yeah. And uh, he wrote Sergeant Bilko episodes, the Phil Silvers shows. What a history he had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Aretha Franklin too. She, uh, you know, Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. Let's not admit, yeah. forget that she had a really great cameo there. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Anybody else? That, wait, you want more? Yeah, anybody else? Well, Your question was, marks here.
1: Yeah, I... Oh, wait a minute. You know who died? Kirk Douglas. What? Kirk Douglas. When? Dead. Happened about two hours ago. That's oh. awful. Well, uh, great. Yeah, whatever. Okay. <laughs> All right. <So. laughs> well, on that <laughs> yeah. note... Oh, man. Let's move on, shall we? Sure. Let's play a game. A game? Yeah. It's time. We're doing it. Katie, we're going to do a game. Okay. Okay. This game
0: is called Real or Unreal. All right, so here's how it works. Producer Joey has written up some films that are somewhat related to the bookshop, and they may either be a real film or an unreal film, and our job is to guess whether or not these are real or unreal. Okay, so I'm going to read it for you. All right, right here, this first one? All right. A boy steals a book and watches an entire world get destroyed. That's it? That's all you got? Wow, that's pretty... A boy steals a book and watches an entire world get destroyed.
1: That's it. Are we getting a title? We're not getting a title. We're not getting a title. No title? No no director? No title for this man? No cinematographer? Usually we get a title or something. Who did the music? (laughs) Who's the best boy? The key grip? Give me something. Yeah, usually the key
0: grip gives it all away. (laughs) All right, what do you think? Is this a real film or an unreal film? A boy steals a book and watches an entire world get destroyed. I feel like it's gotta be real I'm saying because of the description It's so vague I don't even know what it is I feel like it's gotta be real Alright Are we
1: all saying real?
0: Are you saying KD real, Katie? Are you saying yeah real? Yeah, we're all saying real Is it real or un- It is real yeah. what, movie, what movie is that? I was
2: right, story. Never, never Ending Story, story. Okay, yeah, there you go
0: Alright This next book A woman inherits her grandmother's bookstore And discovers it was really a front
1: Oh
0: A front for what? I don't it doesn't say A, a front A front. A front. A front. A front. We're going to probably assume some sort of criminal undermining, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: That
0: that also feels like it's got to be real.
2: I I would like that to be real, but I don't know that it is. I feel like I would have seen it if it was real. So I'm going to go with unreal. A
0: woman inherits her grandmother's bookstore and discovers it was really a front. A front.
1: You know, all right. I'm actually going to go with real. So we have two reals and one unreal.
0: Privately, I think this is unreal, but I think statistically, I gotta, I gotta go real. So I'm, I'm with you, Ira. Okay, right, what is, this? is it? Real it. or unreal? Unreal. unreal. We lost. All right, yes, Katie's lead. Okay, great. last one. Here we go. A fashion photographer discovers a woman working at a bookstore, and she becomes the next it girl.
2: Real. Is, real.
0: Wait,
1: wait, Katie. You know this.
2: I do. Katie's I do read this. Yeah. Katie's.
1: I, I think this is real too. Well, how can I say unreal with Katie's reaction? Uh, no, sorry, gone. I gave it away. It's funny face. It is real. What yeah. oh, funny, funny face. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I make I make funny face jokes anytime we have a film or <laughs> photography shoot here, because in it Audrey. Feel Hepburn, free to make
0: one right now. I mean, well,
2: Audrey Hepburn plays a bookseller. Gene Kelly, right? Isn't she? Uh, no, is Fred it? Astaire. Oh, Fred Astaire. But okay. Fred Astaire plays the photographer for a fashion magazine. And they're doing a photo shoot in the bookstore, and they feel like the model in the shoot is not sufficiently bookish. So they end up shooting Audrey Hepburn instead, and she becomes discovered and becomes a successful model. And so anytime we have a shoot here, I joke that it's time for my funny face Uh. moment that they need somebody who looks more sufficiently bookish, uh, which I'm pretty sure I do. Uh, <laughs> so yes funny face sorry i got real excited because i do love that i movie. saw your I've reaction
0: your body language was
2: so great i, I know this one i know this Well, <laughs> oh, hey
0: congratulations katie you win that game yeah. congratulations Yay! nice job all right and last thing we got to do today is we got to talk about our top five our
1: top five and so hit it Vern. it's time to give a listen you
2: little creeps to our top five
0: Okay, our top five this week is top five mom-and-pop shops. Mom-and-pop shops. Mom-and-pop shops. That now, I'm going to pull mine them. up, but okay. Katie, you can't cheat because you've got a, a, a good view of my computer I, here. I have so my don't, own. No, but don't be
1: looking at mine.
2: Oh, okay. All right, I so won't.
1: Ira, why don't you kick us off with number I'm five? I'm going to get it started, okay? And again, not
2: necessarily
1: bookstores. Mom-and-pop sure. shops. I'm really proud of my number five, you guys. I think it's my favorite one, but I still ranked it number five. In the movie... West Side Story, in the movie West Side Story, there were actually two shops. Um, one was that um, Doc's drugstore. In Doc's drugstore, and it was like a soda thing and they were by, and that old man, and he ran the store. And mm-hmm. then also, Maria worked at a bridal shop. Mm-hmm. Both of these two, and that's where she's saying you know, Maria, because her friend's mother owned the bridal shop. And these were indeed mom and pop shops. Yeah, it back. wasn't a conglomerate. And I thought, well, they were not pivotal but there were still legitimate moments in this film. That's my number five, West Side Story.
0: West Side Story. Yeah, I'm proud of that one. All right. Katie, what's your number five?
2: Um, my number five is You've Got Mail. Ah. Uh, the aforementioned. Which, yes. Uh, I know it's come up already, but, you know, as as a bookseller and an indie bookseller at that, who, like, you know, that whole competition, I mean, if... if the great Nora Ephron was with us today, uh, Tom Hanks' character would be a stand-in for Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. but uh, that tension between a little independent shop and the big box store and the competition there, and, you know, a sense of how much better little independent shops do their job when, it she's, was when that, she's there. And, I remember
0: seeing that movie. I don't think I've seen it since in the theater, but I remember walking out going, that was such a great romantic comedy yeah i mean it was such a nice little warm your heart movie
2: yeah nora Ephron is amazing yeah
0: it's nice yeah. all right my number five is a movie from 2000 state in maine do you oh. remember state
2: in maine yes
0: and the diner there and there it's this little local diner and uh they're, they're like filling up all the, uh, the the money shot for me was when they were refilling the water with the tap water and selling it to everyone basically the whole town had to kind of um uh, adjust to all of these new people coming in. So, yeah. State and Maine And yeah. the restaurant there.
2: Well, and the female lead owns a bookshop. Right. That's, yeah. that's what her character does. Yeah. yeah.
1: There you go. Nice. Ira, nice. what's your number four? My number four was You've Got Mail. However, oh. at three in the morning, I woke up and I thought about that. And I realized that in You've Got Mail, the name of the bookstore is shop around the corner so that led me to think of the original film are you aware of this of which it was based katie i'm teaching you something oh it is is we're gonna overlap okay we're overlapping uh shop around the corner this is jimmy stewart 1940 Mm -hmm. and it indeed was a gift shop it was a small gift shop so um i i changed it to shop around the corner and i know we're overlapping but that's okay that's my number four
2: yeah okay that's that's my number four as well i love shop around the corner yeah Um, I mean, I... I don't think I've ever
0: seen Shop Around the Corner. It's
2: it's delightful. It's It's where I first learned that uh, baking soda or bicarb uh, can be used to settle an upset stomach because Mm. after a rich dinner at their boss's house, Jimmy Stewart's stomach is somewhat upset and he takes bicarb in the morning. Uh, I really do love this movie. I've seen it a lot. Um, But yeah, I think it's a, a great... Little shop, and it takes place in Budapest unnecessarily. Like, it doesn't have to be Budapest, but I'm glad it is. Uh, But yeah, it's a lovely little film. I've never seen that. I'll I'll check
0: it out. Yeah. All right. My number four is a movie from 2008, uh, Be Kind Rewind. Oh. And the guys accidentally record, er, erase all the videos, and they have to uh, kind of reenact all of these videos using no money.
1: What? What are we going to say? No. Is it really a mom now? Isn't it part of a corp? Do they're not the owners? They're employees. I thought about this.
0: I think no. I, I don't think it's a big. It's not a blockbuster. It's not a conglomerate. I know, but it's a it, mom and pop rental place. Mm. Because I, I it's thought it's not a this, chain. It's not part of a right, chain. saying. I was saying. thinking like uh you know you couldn't say like the forty year old virgin because that is a big box uh it's not Best Buy but one, one of those kind of things. And I considered that as well. But I that thought, would no, not count. Electronic right. Electronic store. Yeah. yeah right. Or uh, Because I thought about career opportunities, too, but they were stuck in a Target the entire time. And I was like, okay, you you can't call Target a mom and pop. But I think I could get away with Beacon Rewind. I think it's a mom and pop video rental place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Because if it was a big box place, they would just say, all right, all the stuff got erased. We need new videos now. Please send them. The whole point (laughs) is that they they can't afford it. Right,
1: right, right, right. All right. Good. What do you got, Ira? What's your number number three? three. I wonder if we're going to overlap. Notting Hill. Notting Hill. That's a good one. You guys didn't put that down? No. Wow. That's a good one. You know who directed that? One. Richard Curtis, uh, yeah. who who directed Love Actually, Robert. Yeah. I don't know if you know that same mm-hmm. same director. Hugh Grant and um, Julia Roberts. And he was the, he ran, he owned. I think he owned it or did he, he run it. it? He was it. He was this little bookstore. And um, I'm surprised neither of you two came up with that. I forgot about oh. it. Wow. I
2: much like Funny Face, I make a lot of Notting Hill jokes too. I feel like we're at a disadvantage here.
0: She knows all of the bookstore movies because <laughs> it, it, it revolves around her life.
2: Yes, I do have an affinity for bookstore movies. Yeah, uh, but no, I didn't put that on my That's list. Cool. It's That's a great f- choice. Thank you. It's
1: my number three. Nicely yeah. done. Thank you. All right, um, Katie, what's your number three? My
2: number three is my uh, autumnal movie of choice. Every every October, uh, I rewatch Practical Magic. Practical um, Magic. Practical Magic, um, in which Sandra Bullock's character, she and her husband before his death were opening, and and then she does it on her own, but she was opening like a all-natural like toiletry store. Right. I mean, I feel like there's a more glamorous way of saying that, but she was making like all-natural soaps and shampoos and things like that, and that's the business that she runs in the movie Practical Magic. Yeah. It's kind of a side note, but... I love that movie, and... Uh, We're mentioning a lot of movies that I haven't seen in that. a
0: long time, and I feel like I need to go back and, and revisit <laughs> some of these. It's a good movie. Uh, all right, for my number three, is a movie from 2012. Ira, I don't know if you've seen this, but if you haven't, you would love it. And I am bending the rules here because it is a shop, but they don't really have a, a place, so they have to run their shop out of their apartment. And their shop is a phone sex line, and the movie is for a good time call, ah. and they start their own little business out of their uh, out of their apartment in New York City. Have you seen that movie? Ira? I haven't. You would love it. You would love it. It's about two girls who start a phone sex operation. You know that's business. interesting.
1: Yeah, that's a good choice. Tr- With that same argument, you could say something like risky business. Yeah, I I'm, I think I'm think projecting you could your now, argument. Yeah. could be considered yeah. as a mom pop store. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm, I'm bending a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you are. You are. All right. And we're letting you get away with it. There you are. Yeah, we are. All right. Go ahead. What's your number two? My number two, you guys, is a Roger Corman movie, 1960. Do you, no. Now, no. That's not what I can Okay. The Little Shop of Horrors.
0: Mm. Oh. I did
1: some research on this movie. Now, we all know it stars a very... Not stars. That's wrong. He's barely in the film, a very young Jack Nicholson. Uh, again, this is 1960. That movie was made, you guys, for $28,000. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. That's Roger an interesting Corman. budget for a feature film. Artist. Yeah,
0: it
1: is. $28,000. I did some research. I read up on this when I locked this movie in. And uh, Roger Corman went up to actual winos and said, I'll give you 20 cents if you're in my movie. There's a scene with kids running in the tunnel. He gave them all a nickel. He gave them a nickel. Look what Corman got away with. I like but, how you're handing but, out I know bills. I'm just, yeah. Bills, but, but actually, exactly. it was tra- it's like... To get these people to be in these mob scenes that he shot, the Little Shop of Horrors, and it's a comedic—we we all know the premise—and it's a uh, floral shop. 1960, yeah. Roger Corman.
0: Nice. nice. I, 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 I That's on my my list of extras. Yeah. Not yeah. the original, but the 1980s yeah. Little Shop.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. What do you got? Uh, What's your number so two? You're getting?
2: Mine is very indicative, I think, of, of my age. Uh, But my number two is Empire Records Empire Records, yep And it's, I mean, it's all about a mom and pop store Resisting being absorbed into a large conglomerate So I watched that a lot when I was in middle school And uh, still have a very, very soft spot for it in my heart
0: You're Right, it does, it is revealing of your age Because (laughs) I I don't think Empire Records, not that it's a bad movie But people who are younger than us and people who are (laughs) older than us have not seen that movie have you seen it? Yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, Ira, I, have you seen Empire oh, no. Records? Do no, you know of Empire Records? I don't. See, that's kind of, yeah. kind of my point. Yeah. 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 All right, my number two. What's is, your number two? My number two is a documentary.
1: Ooh. It's a documentary Ooh. from 2004
0: called I Like Killing Flies. And I don't know if you've seen this, but it's about a guy in New York who has this tiny little restaurant. And it's filled with all of these weird rules. He's got like 900 different items on the menu. <laughs> When you come in, if, if he doesn't like you, he'll just kick you out. If you come in and you, you have a larger party than four people, he kicks you out. He just kicks people out of his restaurant all the time. He's a total, he's a total asshole the entire time to everyone that comes in. And, uh, and it's a fascinating documentary.
2: Do you remember the name of the guy that it's about? Uh,
0: Producer Joey will look it up. She's got Is it, it right there. it about here. Kenny Shopsen? Uh, yeah.
2: yeah. Shopson. It's about Kenny Shopsen. Yeah. Okay. Uh, She's well. Oh, wow, she, she
0: knows what's going on, yeah. man.
2: Well, his his daughter wrote a memoir that came out about a year ago now that I just loved. Um, so yeah, I was as you're describing this. I'm like 900 things on the menu. He'll kick you out. This is Kenny Shopson. Has
0: Katie, that's it. <laughs> you're literate. <laughs> yeah, she <Thank> is. you.
2: <laughs> There you should,
0: like, manage a bookstore or yeah. something. Oh,
2: I like it. That's go, a good career yeah, go path. Figure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for that.
0: Yeah. Hey, Katie, you should check it out. Uh, I like Killing Flies. I mean, that yeah, sounds like I'll, it's a good companion yeah, piece to the book I've, that you're I talking I would love about. to. That yeah.
2: sounds right up my alley. Yeah. I have his uh, cookbook. There you go. So, yeah.
0: All right.
1: That's my number two. Ira, what's your number one? Well, as you recall, my number two was The Little Shop of Horrors. Right. My number one, you know the where I'm going. The Big Shop of Horrors. I am. I, let's knock off the word the and just say Little Shop of Horrors. I love this Film. Yeah. 1980, I love the music It was a musical uh, comedy horror film Frank Oz, the wonderful Frank Oz Directed this film Mushkin's Bushkin's Floral Shop And um, I loved everything about it I loved the acting And I, I can break into a medal Suddenly Seymour right. Sometimes I sing on Katie, the every episode da, we, da, da. we
0: were held hostage To both his poetry and his singing
1: this, uh, As you all know, after the 1960 Version the film was made It then played on Broadway and then it became this film we already talked about this about what they did with the ending Yeah, where in the original ending that the the plant wins and swallows London and Paris uh, as well as Audrey mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. audiences didn't like that they went back and they fixed the ending where it's got more of an upbeat happy ending I love the Little Shop of Horrors I love that film and, and, the, chorus and oh, the chorus girls who come out oh yeah. I love the chorus girls they're like the Greek chorus Yeah. see I can make literary mm-hmm. references too yeah. Katie yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> they just happen <laughs> to all be ancient <laughs> That's my number one, you guys. All I right. love that film. Little Shop of
0: Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop. Little All right, Katie, what's your number one? Uh,
2: my number one is also musical in nature, but it is not a musical. Uh, my number one is High Fidelity.
0: High Fidelity. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I had a feeling that was going to be on there. When you said Empire Records, yeah. I almost said, is High Fidelity going to be on your list? Yes, I like that. it there is.
2: Uh, yeah, I, uh, I watched it as a youth and was like, oh. I, I get this, I get these guys I get what this is like um, and I, you know, occasionally wish that I could uh, be as much like Jack Black as he is mm-hmm. in the movie, but uh, you I don't know, think I'm anybody, a, I don't even I'm a I'm a think Jack friendlier. Black is as Jack Black yeah, as Jack no, Black was no, no. when he just at times calls out people's bad taste and I'm like I would never do that <laughs> I would never, but uh, I love High Fidelity yeah
0: Robert, you're number one. My number one is a movie from 94, which I've mentioned before, and I really should keep off my top (laughs) five lists, but for some reason, I can't keep it off. And you're going to argue with me. You're going to argue and say it's not, but I think in the spirit of what it is, I think it is a mom-and-pop shop. Give us a hint.
1: Just give us a hint. 1994.
0: All right. I'll give you a huge hint. Big one. All right. It's black and white. Clerks. Clerks.
2: Oh. Yeah. Sure.
0: And I think you're going to say, well, wait a minute. That's not a mom-and-pop shop, but... For it's all a, intents and purposes, not, it is.
1: For all intents and purposes. It really is. Yeah.
0: It may be owned by someone else. And I don't think it's a... If it is a chain, it's a small chain. And I, I think it's, a, it's, it's them. It's about those clerks working there. So I still feel like that, that fits. Yeah. If you you're going to argue with me, there's a few other films that I think we, <laughs> that are worth mentioning. Uh, Barbershop. Right? That was a good oh, one. Yeah, I, yeah. I think we could have mentioned. Ghostbusters. I thought about that. Oh, that okay. is a mom and pop shop for a little while yeah. before they go big. And I was that's like, really good. Yeah, that's. R- I like that. Chocolat. I thought that. I
2: thought about that one yeah. as well. Uh,
0: Shaun of the Dead, because they're trying to get to the oh. Winchester Bar. And that was a little sure. mom and pop bar. Uh. Uh, the Blues Brothers, because not only the uh, uh, Aretha Franklin Diner, but also Bob's Country Bunker was a, literally a mom and pop uh, diner. Uh, Casablanca Trees Lounge, the last picture show. The uh, that was the remember the movie theater was about to close down. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm back on
1: Casablanca. Uh, his yeah, yeah. restaurant, Cafe yeah. Cafe yeah. you're right. You're, yeah. right. you're
2: right. Yeah, I thought about the umbrellas of Cherbourg.
0: I don't know that. Oh, it's, I love that uh,
2: film. It's like '60s French musical starring Catherine Deneuve, but it literally is about an umbrella shop. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. In large part, I I considered that one quite a bit, and then I was like, mm, no. No, no. I'm gonna go very commercial, very 1990s, because I think all but one of my movies was commercial from the 1990s, and that was the theme I was gonna go with.
1: Did you have any extras? You know, there? I had. We call these scoops, extra sure. little scoops that we didn't, that don't make our top five, but we like to include them anyway. Um, and I'm not sure about this. This is a gray area. One, the founder, the first part of the film. Yeah. The first part of the film was a mom, pop operation. McDonald's. Before. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's a really good. I like it. Well, maybe that. I should make you that. You should have made that. Well, then I, all right. No, you too late now. That, that's a really good poll, Ira. <laughs> okay, thank you. The founder, you. nicely thank done. You. Thank All right. Hey, guess what? We did it. This is yeah. fun. Yeah, it was. Oh,
2: thanks yeah. for having me. And thanks for coming
0: on. Thanks for having yeah. us. Are you kidding yeah. me? It's wow. my Great. pleasure. Thanks,
2: guys. Nice job.
1: Our, yeah, we like it here.
2: Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> thank Will you. Will
1: you let us come back someday? Sure. Okay, good.
0: <laughs> if, we, if we behave ourselves yeah. Keep our clothes on Hey, uh, I want to thank Katie once again for, uh, for coming on the show So Katie Orphan, if anybody's in uh, listening to the podcast Or in the area and wants to come down to the last bookstore Come on down, say hi to Katie Buy a book and, uh, and check out the whole section Katie, let's give her another round of applause Nice ah. job Katie, do you have anything you want to plug? Any like uh, Instagram or anything like that? Facebook? Sure, Where can people sure. find you? You
2: can find me on Twitter and Instagram both at uh, Shadow Katie. Um, it is a, it's an X Men reference. It's fine. <laughs> Sticking with it. And what about the Last, Last Bookstore? V- Where can people uh, find that? We are Last Bookstore LA on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find us there, you can find us on Facebook. Um, and you can find us in downtown Los Angeles at the corner of 5th and Spring.
0: Yeah, just come on down and uh, pay yeah. a little visit. And as for us, uh, if you want to send us an email and talk about your mom-and-pop shops, you could do that by sending an email to robert at antiwavepodcast.com
1: or... And slash or ira at com. Or you can send us a message
0: through Instagram. Instagram. Or Twitter, which is at Anti-Wave Pod.
1: Right. We're all over the place, aren't we, Robert? Mm-hmm. Or on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Go to our website.
0: Yeah. Or, uh, you know, just anything you want to do. Or if you want to check out our film, 30 Love, you can buy that film on DVD or Blu-ray at 30lovefilm, 30lovefilm.com. Thank you. I, I know the website. I just can't think of it. I'm insane. Uh, you can, If you do buy it, you can get 10% off in the disc at the uh, checkout. Uh, man, I'm not talking very well today. I can help.
1: Go ahead. Try yeah, it. If you just type in the word pot anti-wave, <laughs> you'll get a 10% discount yeah. and a lot of bonus features on the Blu-ray of a film that Robert and I, uh, Robert directed it. We wrote it and produced it together. Oh, that's so And great. we got Brenda Vicaro. Remember her? Yeah. Yeah, she's in our film. Cool. She's in our film. You can see it's all streaming. It's available on streaming. It is on it Amazon is on and, Amaz- on iTunes, and on iTunes. So you can check it out there. Nice. Yeah, so we're there as well. Hey,
0: let's give producer Joey
1: a
2: great yes. job.
0: Uh, yes. A big hand. Wow. Nicely done. Okay, so uh, until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out.
1: I think it's a metaphor. I think it's a metaphor. See how literary I am?